Hello, everyone. This is Travis J. Vernon, and welcome to today's podcast. Today, we'll jump back into stories from my youth. I guess we can consider this part two. There's so many stories from my youth, it's going to take multiple episodes just to tell them. As I've mentioned in some other episodes, I have a lot of empathy now for my mother, who had to raise me. My father served in the Navy, so quite often he would be on cruise and at sea, and the task of raising me and my four siblings fell primarily on my mother, especially when we were overseas. When we were in the States, we would be able to spend time at my grandparents' house. Both my mother's and father's sides lived in the state of Utah. I really can't even imagine the troubles that my mom went through explaining to other parents that she tries really hard to keep me reined in, but I just wouldn't allow myself to be reined in. I was always looking to sneak out and do things. I have some great memories from the time we were stationed in California, stationed in Yokosuka, Japan, when we travel as a family when my father was on leave, visiting places and being able to see the sights. That was one of the best things about growing up in the military was having my eyes open to the world and what really is out there to experience and see. So let's get to the stories. So there I am, Kings County, California. My father was stationed at Lemoore Naval Air Station, and we had a place in Hanford, California. Just outside of where we lived, there were still tons of farmer's fields. And the field at the end of our street was a cotton field. I would spend time out in that cotton field playing, having adventures, looking for animals, looking for insects. Through the field, I was able to sneak down to a different cul-de-sac where that neighbor had a giant pomegranate tree and a lot of the branches would hang over the fence. And we would sneak in, steal pomegranates, and just sit in the cotton field and eat them. Up to this point in my life, I don't remember having a lot of allergies, although my mother will say that I spent quite a bit of time in the emergency room for lung-related issues, but I think a lot of them stemmed from an experience I had in that cotton field. I was out there with a friend, we were hanging out, and in comes an airplane. We're like, oh, that's so cool, we were watching the airplane fly real low over the field, and then he'd get to the end of the field and hard bank up and turn around and come back again. We were pretty young. This had to be between five and seven years of age. Because it was before we went to Japan. And the plane continues to fly up and down the field. We don't realize what's happening. But this plane was crop dusting the entire field. But we thought it was neat that he was getting closer and closer to us. Pretty soon he flew right over top of us. No idea what chemicals were being used, but it caused an instant and severe asthma attack. I got home, my mom stressed out, I can barely breathe, rushes me to the emergency room. At this time, my father was on base, so he gets called, makes the normal come to the emergency room. One of your kids is in the emergency room. I shouldn't say normal trip to the emergency room for one of your kids. It was typically me. 
it was Travis's in the emergency room. So I remember he gets there. I remember being panicked. I was struggling to breathe. Lots of people in the office didn't understand what was going on. And they gave me what I know now is an epinephrine shot, trying to get my lungs to open up so that I could breathe. A few minutes goes by. My mother's really upset. I'm laying on the table, still struggling to breathe. I'm watching doctors and nurses come in, go out, come in, go out. Getting more and more panicked all the time. They give me another shot. Still no effect. They're trying to ask me questions to figure out what had happened. I couldn't really talk. Still struggling with breath. No idea how long goes by. It seems like an eternity. They give me another shot. Now I'm a kid, so I don't know what's going on. I just know I keep getting shots. I can tell by the look on my parents' faces that something is seriously wrong. At this point, the doctor opens up a cabinet and they start getting out other things and he's talking to a nurse to go get something. And they start putting together this giant syringe. The needle he was screwing onto this thing must have been, to me it looked like a telephone pole, but it was probably six to eight inches in length. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness. Absolute fear and panic begin to well up in me. And I hear my father say, what's that for? And the doctor's response, we've already given him three shots. He's not responding. We're preparing to give him a shot in the heart. I don't know if it was hearing the doctor say a shot in the heart or seeing the syringe be put together or the combination of those events. But at that moment, I was cured. I was healed. I was good to go. I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm good. And there was a bit of a sigh of relief. So I think whether the original shots they gave me had finally started to take effect or just the absolute terror and my body creating its own adrenaline helped open up my lungs. And soon enough, I was able to go home. Following that event, however, I would have weird asthma attacks depending on certain things. And to this day, I have to be really careful what I do. I remember I helped clean out a grain bin one time, and the dust and pollen from the grain put me in the emergency room. Pompous grass is one of those things that will give me terrible allergies and will seize my lungs up. So who knows? Maybe it was the chemicals from being crop dusted by an airplane. Or maybe I just had asthma as a kid. Hard to say. Pretty sketchy experience, though, for sure. It's still weird to think about. Another time I got to go to the emergency room, we were in Japan. Dad was on cruise. Mom had to go into town for some shopping. So we had a babysitter. And I think it was just my little brother and I. So perhaps my older sisters went with my mom. Well, anyway, I decided I want to carry it. I grabbed the carrot peeler. I started to peel the carrot. I slipped and I lodged the carrot peeler in my middle finger on my left hand after peeling about an inch of it. So there I am, blood everywhere, babysitter freaking out, off to the emergency room. Got the carrot peeler out of my finger before we left and I got a few stitches for that one. Still have that scar. Since then I've always had this bizarre fear when I'm peeling things. It must be the self-conscious thing in the back of my head, remembering that experience and the, the vision of part of my finger coming through the little gap in the peeler. 
It's almost one of those surreal moments. Like anytime you cut yourself and there's that moment of hesitation. Oh, is this going to hurt? And then you look down and you, you see what you have done. I think a lot of times your brain actually makes it worse without seeing it. But who's to say? I used to get in trouble quite a bit when I was in Hanford, California, because I would try and pee my name onto the fence. And now that there's snow, it's so much easier. It's so much easier to pee down. But trying to pee your name onto a fence was difficult. Not only that, but I would try and pee my name on my neighbor's house. Because their house was stucco, so it would show up really good. That never ended well when I get caught there. I mean, as a mother, how would you explain that? Oh, but my son likes peeing on your house. Yeah, awkward. The neighbor across the street in Hanford had a faucet close to his front door. And that faucet would constantly drip. And there would be frogs that would accumulate in that area. Well, it took a little while to figure out that there was a hole under his sidewalk near that faucet. And one day a friend and I got the idea that if we turned the faucet on a little bit more and made more water, we could make the hole under the sidewalk bigger and catch the frogs. So that's what we did. We got this great big one-gallon glass jar, the type that you could buy apple cider in. And we're out there putting frog after frog after frog in this bottle. We had caught so many frogs. When the guy opens the front door and sees what we're doing. And we had created such a cavity under his sidewalk. I'm surprised he didn't cave in. But holy smokes, we caught a lot of frogs. He was pretty pissed too. He got mad. Catching frogs was always something that I absolutely loved to do. There was a place we loved to go called Three Rivers. I don't know if it's in Kings County, California, but at the time they had a chocolate factory and there was a miniature golf course and it was kind of off in the country. Super fun place to go. And we would go there and play miniature golf. And there were frogs everywhere on this miniature golf course. Now I remember one time my great-grandfather Ray and my great-grandmother Mabel had come down to visit. And we go to this chocolate factory in this, which was basically just a high-end candy store. They sold amazing chocolate turtles. Even at the age I was, I knew how delicious these chocolate turtles were. I still have an affinity for chocolate turtles. It's probably because of that. And the correlation between the fact that it was a turtle, and I love turtles. I catch reptiles in those areas. Always been fascinated with reptiles of all kinds. Well, Grandpa Ray and Grandma Mabel come down, and we go miniature golfing. And it's getting close to dark, and all I'm doing is catching frogs and putting them in my pocket. I keep getting in trouble because it's my turn to putt, and I'm off catching frogs. Well, I've got so many frogs, I don't know what to do with them. So I put a whole bunch of them in the cup. Now, by, by cup, I mean in the hole that we're putting to. And I guess nobody saw me do it. And my Grandpa Ray makes a putt and gets a hole in one. And then the ball pops back out. So he makes this hole in one, ball pops out, everybody's cracking up. He walks up to tap it in, taps it in, ball pops out again. And that's when they all realize that I'd been putting frogs in the cups. So I get a lot of grief for that. And it became kind of a funny story that what should have been a hole in one end ended up becoming a three putt, courtesy of some of my frogs. Well, on another trip that was just my parents and siblings out to Three Rivers to play miniature golf, I remember gathering frogs, and I'm trying to take these frogs home. And my dad is upset. Travis, you 
you can't take all these frogs home. You got to leave them here. So they would always check my pockets. And I knew I was going to get checked. So for whatever reason on this day, I decide, well, if I can't keep them in my pockets because they're going to check my pockets, I'll put some frogs in my underwear. Not joking, in my underwear. So then on the drive back, my sisters are sitting in the back seat and I'm standing on the hump, holding on to the back of the, the bench seat that my parents were sitting on. And my mom and dad kept getting mad at me, telling me to sit down. Well, I couldn't sit down. I didn't want to kill the frogs. So I would try and sit down as gently as I could and hold my butt cheeks up off of the bench seat in the back. And then as soon as people weren't paying attention, I'd stand up again. And I kept getting in more and more trouble and more and more trouble. And finally, my dad's like, why won't you sit down? I'm like, I can't. I don't want to hurt the frogs. And they realized that I had snuck frogs home anyway. Oh, how did they put up with me? <laughs> the things I would do. All right, so that, that leads into a story in Japan. When I would go down to the coast and I had those little plastic, I guess they're terrariums was what they were supposed to be. In, in Japan, people will fight beetles or they will raise these giant rhinoceros style beetles. I was always so jealous. They were so cool, but they were expensive. So we, as kids, really never got them, but we would always see them at the pet stores and different things in Japan. So cool. Well, we'd end up getting these little terrariums and then we'd put fish and things like that from the ocean in them. Well, one day I went down to the, to the pier and I was catching fiddler crabs. You know, just small crabs, about an inch in length. Or I guess it'd be width. Huh. I wonder which way you measure a crab. Blue crabs are the width, so maybe fiddler crabs are the width. So if it's by the width, it's an inch. Anyway, so I catch hundreds of fiddler crabs and have them in this terrarium. And I take it home. And like always, my parents would search me. They would make sure I didn't have things in my room or I have things on my person. My mom especially had to do this when she was washing clothes because I would forget things. I can't tell you how many times there were 22 shells, shotgun shells, or some sort of a dead animal that I had forgotten to take out of a coat pocket that would get washed and then discovered in the dryer. Now, it wasn't a big deal with the bullets because they'd just come out shiny and clean. But a dead bird in the dryer has a distinct odor. And it's difficult to remove from that load of laundry, apparently. But then there were some disturbing things my mother would find in my pockets. So it finally got to the point that she wouldn't check my pockets. But she would stand there and force me to check my pockets in front of her. So I know I'm going to get busted with this big thing of crabs. There's no way my parents are going to let me keep a hundred fiddler crabs. So I take this clear plastic terrarium bucket into my sister's room. And my two older sisters shared a bedroom when we were in Japan. I think they did. It's hard to remember everything. But we were on base housing. And they had a chest of drawers in their closet. So I put this bucket of crabs on top of the chest of drawers and slid it back in the closet and shut the door so that I wouldn't get busted. Well, being a kid, I get distracted and I'm off doing other things. When I remember that there's crabs, I go upstairs and realize that I... I'm in a ton of trouble. Because these fiddler crabs apparently had crawled up on one side of this terrarium to the point that they got it lopsided enough to tip it over, which popped the lid off. So a hundred fiddler crabs 
were crawling off of the chest of drawers in the closet. Some of the drawers were slightly ajar. So there are now fiddler crabs in the drawers, in their underwear, in their t-shirts, in anything folded. Fiddler crabs in all their shoes. Fiddler crabs in the bedroom everywhere because they could fit underneath the door. So I gathered up what I could, but I mean, I I can't spend very much time in my sister's room because I'm going to get in trouble because I'll get caught in there. And if I get caught red-handed, then it's terrible. So I just caught what I could and left. Well, by the next day, it smelled like a fish market in my sister's room. (laughs) There's dead crabs everywhere. Every time for about a week and a half that they'd go to put on a shoe, they'd crunch a crab. Every time they would open a drawer to get out some clothes, they'd find another dead crab. My mother was not pleased. (laughs) And neither were my sisters. But fiddler crabs are cool. There were times as a child when we moved back to Utah where when I'd be visiting my grandparents that I would try and catch the western skink. Now a skink is a smooth-scaled lizard that lives in the mountain. And when you'd flip it over, the belly had these beautiful blue patterns underneath. Just absolutely gorgeous. So I try and catch them and we keep them for a day or so and then release them again. They're always fun to release into the rock walls that we had around the house because then they would hang out in those areas. I just loved catching animals. Garter snakes, lizards. That was one of the coolest things after college when I moved to the Midwest. There were turtles everywhere. There were days I'd be late to work because I during the mating seasons and the turtles are crossing the road, I'd stop all the time to help the turtles cross. I don't want to see a turtle get smashed on the road. They're just fun. It's just neat to see them. Well, one time I had caught a whole bunch of mice and I had them in a box. So I must have had four or five of them. I was in the Cub Scouts and my mother was one of the leaders. So I had some other boys over at the house for scouts. And we were leaving my grandparents to get home so that we would be there for scouts. And I put this cardboard box with mice in it in the back of the station wagon that we had. Well, we get home. I leave the mice in the car. We have our scout meeting. And my mom leaves to go take the other boys home to drop them off. And she's driving down the road. Probably doesn't get 150 yards. And a mouse runs across her legs in the car. See, cardboard boxes aren't designed to hold small rodents for an extended period of time. So these mice had chewed a hole and gotten out and were now wild in the car. So mom throws the car into park, jumps out on the streets doing the whole freaking out mouse dance. And one of the boys in the car is, Mrs. Vernon, are you okay? And to my mother's credit, she said yes and got back in the car, which must have taken... An amount of willpower that I don't possess. And dropped all the boys off and then came home. Man, I was in trouble that day. We had to set mouse traps inside our car. (laughs) Oh, how did she tolerate me? Every day was something new. And my little brother was the same way, but slightly different. The things he would do were just as strangely bizarre. Have you ever had one of those boxes where you get the kit of X-Acto knives and the really nice versions would come with a little tiny saw, like a a hacksaw blade the size of an X-Acto knife blade, so maybe two inches? Well, one day, my little brother, while on the toilet, 
uses one of those saws in the X-Acto knife kit and saws the toilet seat in half while on it. I'm really not sure of the logic behind that, but that's the kind of crap we would do. And most of the time, my parents would just say, why? And we really didn't have any answers. It seemed like a good idea at the time. Well, there's a few more stories from my youth. Maybe I can talk my sisters into sitting in with me sometime. And you can hear their side of the horrors of growing up with me as a brother. <laughs> well, so get out there. Live your stories.